Hi everybody, Rob Scott from UC Today and in this session we'll be delving into experience as a service with Genesis. And so today I'm joined by Brendan Dykes, Senior Director of Product Marketing and Martin Hill Wilson, owner of Brain Food Consultant. So welcome everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you, it's good to see you Rob. Great to have you here. So uh, just to kick off with, I think maybe let's start with some introductions. Uh, Brendan, would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, yes, my name is Brendan Dykes. Uh, I work for Genesis. I'm in the product marketing team. I've been with Genesis about 12 years now. Before that, I worked in telcos and utilities, pretty much delivering customer experience pretty much uh, since I left school almost. Great stuff. Martin, how about yourself? Thank you. Um, so my name is Martin Wilson. I run my own business, which is called Brain Food Consulting. I'm currently actually focused on probably something quite relevant to this conversation, which is running courses and planning and training on emotive CX. Great stuff. Great stuff. So I'm really excited to, to have this session today. So when I saw the title Experience as a Service, I kind of wondered, well, what is Experience as a Service? So I think over to you, Brendan, for this one. But what, what does experience mean for customers? What is Experience as a Service? Sure. Uh, so experience as a service for Genesis is our new direction. Uh, and I like to take it and take it into two parts. I like to take the word experience and then as a service. So if, if you imagine that experiences now become the, the everything to most organizations, it's the differentiator, it's the way organizations are being recognized, uh, and it's the way that, uh, that people are expecting to be served. And you take that and you move it to uh, an environment where it is cloud delivered, so you're able to deliver that service anywhere to any organization. Then you bring the two parts together and you get experience as a service. Great stuff. Um, so have customer expectations changed? Uh, you know, over to you on this one, uh, Martin, but um, experience as a service from Genesis, has customer experience changed in, in the past decade? I, I think the fundamentals of what matters to us as human beings is probably consistent, <laughs> um, mm. you know, probably over, over centuries, in fact. But right now in the world that we live, I think the way that we uh, expect them and the standards that we associate with those basic needs have definitely changed. Um, and I think what's probably most interesting is because we live in a hyper-connected world where we're constantly reinforced with the new, uh, almost on a real-time basis, um, the expectations that a given group of customers have year on year continues to morph and continues to change. And the so-called disruptor brands, you know, who are really the ones that probably concentrate on the service component more than anything else, the experience of a particular journey, those are the ones that introduce something new into the equation. And as consumers, we rapidly pick them up. Um, and the question goes across our mind, well, if they can do that, why can't you do that? And as such, we then find ourselves in an arms race to meet the next set of generational expectation. And so year on year, one of the things that actually we don't do enough, which is to actually keep up to speed with those expectations. You know, where have our customers moved this year relative to last year? And where will they have moved within the next 12 months? Um, and, and so it doesn't change. It keeps on being reset as a bar and everyone has to, has, to, has to follow that. Now, you don't necessarily have to be in the front of that, but if you get too far behind, you're definitely in trouble in terms of, uh, you know, what we all now expect. It's definitely a herd type instinct. 
And I think that we've we've seen organisations try to almost uh, create experience like a, a painting by numbers. If you do this, if you do that, then you will be able to deliver a great experience. Uh, but it, it's it's more than that. It's much more subtle than that. We we very much see that that uh, that empathy has got to be a key element in this now. We we can't continue this process of targeting customers. Customers need to be treated in the context where they are. The, the, the experience that you want, Rob, and the experience that Martin wants and I want are all very, very different. It's based upon our, our context, it's based upon our uh, experiences, and it's expa uh, based upon how we are engaging with that particular organization. And empathy builds trust. When people trust an organization, then of course they're also more loyal. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a virtuous circle, empathy, trust, and loyalty driving up uh, greater experiences for each individual, not just as a, as a marketing tool for an organization. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Sorry. Well, I was going to say that even, you know, if you're a my size business or five people in a business, you, you really ought to be able to deliver one-to-one, point-to-point -to -point experience, you know, by humans to humans. I think where the challenge comes in is, is where you get to be a large organization. Um, and, Getting back to Brendan's point, it's very easy to reduce that to um, a, a set a checklist of things to do. Um, you know, make the data personalised enough, execute it in the way that it should be according to the calendar. You're bound to have an authentic experience, and that's the trouble. It doesn't work like that. Mm. And I think that we're all very susceptible as human beings. Well, you know, our race has been on the planet for many, 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 many uh, <laughs> generations, and we become highly susceptible to authentic communication and not authentic communication at the end of the day. So you can't gain, can't easily gamify another human being at the end of the day. And I think the interesting thing about experience is that the word itself really says what happens between two people yeah. or, or, or in a group context. And you know we are highly sensitive to when we're being conned, to when we're being lied to, to when you know things aren't right in an environment. And that's exactly the same of antennae that we use when a brand approaches us and attempts to engage with us. So if the goal is really to be authentic in the experience, we've got to consider the standard to be no less than when it's one-to-one -one and you know we know it's the real deal or it's not. That makes it very difficult because you haven't got the organization, we haven't got the individuals to do that, it's an organizational effort. Um, so it's a mix really of culture, it's a mix of tech, but underneath all of that, there's a benchmark that says if it ain't real, it's not going to cut the mustard. Absolutely. And technology can really help in this space. But you know, it isn't the only part of it. You know, we need that, that really carefully blended mix of, of automation. Yes, for the simple, but also uh, human for the, for the complex, but also for the, the engagements that require a human factor to them. Yeah. I mean, the core culture is very simple. If you don't give a damn, it comes across. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people have been talking about customer centric cultures and all the rest of the stuff. And I still think that that's a, a job to be done generally, mm. because the, 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 the funny thing about this conversation is it at one level, incredibly simple mm. because customers and employees are one of the same human, right? There's nothing yeah. different about this. So we have the native knowledge as employees of what it takes to connect to customers because we can reference our own experience as a consumer. When we walk in through the front door of our businesses, though, what happens is that we assume a different agenda and a yeah. different point of focus and a different priority. And that's the thing that makes us stupid. So there is a very important context to all of this, which is the culture within which 
all of this effort operates. And of course, mm. the brand prioritizes its own well-being, the customer prioritizes their well-being, uh, and it's a question of, of how do those two things match up? And at the end of the day, because customers have got legs on them, the fact is the brand needs to mirror the customer requirements and the customer priorities. And if they do that in an effective commercial context, then happiness ensues. But if you're still basically trying to wear customer experience as a, a latest fashion, you'll get found out pretty quickly. Sure. Great stuff. So in terms of technology's role in customer experience, how, uh, how do we connect technology with customer experience without undoing the customer experience, if, if you know what I mean. So, Brendan, I was keen to kind of hear from, you're a technology vendor, you know, you've been around for a, 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 as a business for a long time, so you've got a real pedigree in, in contact centers. But so, how, what role do you play in customer experience today? I think, you know, technology is, is, is a key element in this. And you know, we've had great technologies for, for many, many years, quite often it's the way they're applied which hasn't been necessarily the the, the most uh, empathetic or the, or the most sensitive in their approaches but but today we have you know, far more data available to to uh, organizations than they've ever had before to understand the context of, of individuals being able to know where a person has been in their journey with that organization to know whether, whether they've been engaging with that business before even on the same day uh, so being able to bring that data together, being able to recognize that the customer wants to engage with the organization through a channel that they have available to them at the moment. The mobile phone has been, has been fantastic. It has multiple channels of engagement on it. And the customer will choose the one that they want to use at the moment that's most convenient for them. Uh, and then the ability to be able to take some of that uh, transactional work and automate it through uh, self-service, through uh, bots and voice bots and chat bots, but, but also recognizing that for the most complex and the most difficult transactions, the human being is still going to be the best person for, for being able to, uh, to handle that, that, that engagement and knowing when to swap between the two, being able to do that in a sensitive way and being able to do that through a, a, a mix of, of um, technology and human nous in knowing which is the best way of, of, of engaging with that human being. And I think, now we we can bring technology together and use it in a really powerful way for the good if we understand that we're driving this ultimately for the benefits of the human being who's engaging with, with our organizations. I think another way to build on what Brendan's just said is that technology supports the outcome um, from the customer's point of view. So um, let's just take a very simple thing. I, I probably start most of my inquiries um, online in a search box mm -hmm. um, and one of the great things technology can do is to make sure that, that my answer sits at the top of the page you know that's an invisible thing with SEO and all the clever stuff like that but that's one of the first things I might then still need to go to your website in which case I'll probably find myself on a support page and then somewhere on that support page in your knowledge management system is the answer to my question um, mm -hmm. how easy do you then make that for me to get hold of that so um, can you start to anticipate uh, my requirements? Can you start to intelligently put forward suggestions to me which are probably relevant you know, to my particular need? Um, and all the little techniques that go with auto-suggest in the search box down to dynamic FAQs, possibly if I'm a registered customer, you remember those things. So the next time I turn up again, it tends to be increasingly relevant to my needs. 
Um, and that just extends right the way through my, my journey to the outcome that I get. Um, yeah. And the same thing would apply for me being uh, an advisor. You know, the screen that I have in front of me either confuses me because there's different screens available flashing away and I've really got to concentrate on that complexity. Or I have one where that actually becomes completely invisible to me because it just works and it's, it's, it's supportive to what I'm trying to do. And I can concentrate, uh, coming back to a word that Brendan talked about, empathy. You know, um, to be empathetic is to be able to understand another person's experience. Now, you know, that's a tough thing to do, in fact, because, um, it, you know, emotions are fairly opaque, even to ourselves, yes. let alone another person. Uh, and so I really do need to have my full attention on that. So the technologist's job is to really get out the way so I can fully concentrate on doing that. And then I also want to make sure that I'm being effective. So, for example, having time where we'll have to say, I'm sorry, the system is slow today. That's been said for the last 30 years. What we really mean by that is that the right information is not available to me at that particular point in time. Some of the tech these days will auto suggest stuff on the screen or it will prompt us to the next thing that we should be doing. And the whole, the whole use of virtual assistance to support the advisor, as much as the customer, is really you know, beginning to flourish. So yeah. I think I'd, I'd pick up on that because I think Martin's picked up on the fact that artificial intelligence and, and the ability to, to, use, uh, to use maths and data in a, a really uh, imaginative ways are now driving forwards the ability to deliver customer experience, whether it's understanding if a customer is lost on the website, is, is it uh, in understanding the, the messages that they're putting into a bot in terms of, of the emotions or the, or the requirements within, within the bot, either voice or, or, uh, or chatbot. And again, with, with agent assistance uh, tools like being able to listen to the conversation and provide information in real time to the advisor suggesting uh, alter responses suggesting uh, ideas that the, the that the agent can bring to bear is all helping us to be able to use uh, technology to uh, improve the customer experience but also to make it far more personal without it being targeted and the great thing is that the that the cloud has enabled us to democratize that technology now organizations who st historically would have not had the budgets to be able to access those those sorts of uh, uh, technologies are able to get to them because the cloud allows them to 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 leverage the the great development of organizations like Genesis in building technology and being able to uh, consume that whatever size of organization they are. Well let's get topical for one second um, and just mention the cloud and there's only mm -hmm. one thing happening globally in uh, call centers right now it's mm -hmm. called networking. Yeah it's uh, massive. And, and you know the, the US um, is, is fairly advanced. The UK is, is, is behind the times, but do you know what? There is no excuse left now in the UK and literally 80% of all call centers have been emptied out right now simply because if you have one person who comes in, you know, who's ill, you can then mm. hollow out the whole of that uh, bricks and mortar site. So people are scrambling like crazy. And the fact is, if we had to do this 30 years ago, um, you know, with the old traditional approaches of virtualization, it would have been hell. The fact that we can do it so very quickly now through cloud is a fantastic example of how you can technology enables a whole new way of working. Yeah, I think yeah, it'll be absolutely. interesting to see how the culture has changed in this country after this is all through or in the world about home working. I think we will see a change in culture uh, because people have now been forced to experience that and we'll, we'll see how many organisations go back to the large contact centres as, 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 as homes and I think that will be fascinating to watch.
Absolutely. We're certainly likely to see a sea change in perception, aren't we, of contact sensor technology in the cloud uh, on the back of this uh, pandemic that we're right in the middle of. As, as we speak today, we are mm. right in the middle of it. We don't know when it's going to end, but um, it's certainly changing the, the rules uh, <laughs> and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. In terms of you, you know, providing some uh, insights around the, the typical challenges that contact centers are facing today with bringing in new technology, cloud technology, AI infused uh, features and, and you know, within the contact center. What would you say, Brandon, are the kind of typical challenges that organizations are facing? I, I think that you know, it's, it's, it's not as challenging as perhaps people may well think it is. Um, yes, it requires uh, organizational change. Any technology change requires more training, more diff different systems, different approaches, quite often uh, new procedures and, and processes. The AI side of it is interesting because ultimately AI is driven on data. And if the data is not clean, is not in, not in a uh, good condition, then it is much more difficult to, to, le to leverage that. So I, I think the challenges are, are around, uh, firstly, uh, organizational change, secondly, around, around the data and, and making sure that it is, is usable. But thirdly, it's around the whole area of the ethical use of this information. Now, what is the, what are the right things to do? Is it right to be, you know, targeting customers on specific uh, features or, or whatever and in, in, in using the data in a way that that is creepy. We, we need to move away from the idea that that, that uh, personalization should be seen as something that is very creepy into something that is very engaging and very useful. And I think you know, we, we will see that you know, as we begin to understand how data is, is, um, is brokered properly, as we begin to see how uh, you know, we work with organizations like Salesforce or Amazon, uh, or, or Adobe in 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 building uh, standards of data sharing, so that we we can start to see data being shared across platforms, across systems, and then we can start to think about how customer experience could look into the future. Where, for example, organisational boundaries begin to break down in the customer experience journey. Imagine you know, your airline flight has been cancelled, but you've also got a hotel booking and a, and a car hire booked. Imagine if all that could be seamlessly uh, adjusted. Based upon the uh, based upon the the change of schedule, uh, without you having to first pick up the phone to the airline, then pick up the phone to the uh, the hotel and to your car hire company, the ability to have cross organisational or cross business journeys is, I think, something that we we are dreaming of and something that we are we are, would love to be working towards as an organisation as we go forwards. Uh, and I think we will begin to see. The, the the shoots of those the, the green shoots of those things happening in the next couple of years it's interesting that um I, i've got a couple of slides i'm using in one of my presentations at the moment which is from gallup i think uh, and just talks about the connection between trust uh, and how we receive information mm -hmm. brands. um and and basically you know if we have low levels of trust everything looks like fake news i suppose is the summary and then the reverse yeah. is also true so curiously enough, the, the business of um, using customers' data in order to be more relevant to their needs is, is clearly a benefit if we can position it in a way that they feel comfortable with the use of that data. Yeah. And so there's a virtuous cycle that sits there, which is that the more, you know, the, the more we want to use technology to automate uh, an experience, the more we have to find opportunities to keep rebuilding the trust 
using our empathy particularly. And by the way, empathy yeah. is easiest when it's human to human. It's not impossible through automation, but it gets more challenging to replicate that, um, particularly when it's a text-based world. And notice, by the way, most of social networks right now are text-based, hence yeah. there's a very low level of trust right now. And actually an interesting thing in today's world as we speak is possibly when we're trying to communicate to customers in an anxious world, we should probably try to make it video-based rather than just text-based because one of the reasons that right now we're doing this in Zoom is that people mm -hmm. who are watching can see our faces and that gives yeah. a better opportunity to yeah. understand where each of us are coming from, you know, as far as that's concerned, as opposed to just listening. And it would be even worse if you were just reading the transcript of this. So we need to be much more sensitive towards keeping that virtuous cycle of trust through connection and then customers being willing in return to trade. And I think the problem we've got at the moment is, is, a, is, is many, many, many powerful tech brands at the moment assume the right to take our, 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 our uh, data rather than position it as being a benefit to us and also giving us a sense of control over that. Uh, and I know that's an ongoing tug and, you know, tug and tussle, but I think at the, at the level of the individual brand, I, would all, I always advise brands to you know, be very explicit in their use of customer data and to, yes. if possible, building controls for customers to be able to bust you down to zero, to become anonymized again, and then to rebuild the levels of personalization. And there's a very simple thing there, which is if I give you X amount of my data, what do I get in return? Yeah. And if a brand really cannot articulate a direct commercial benefit for that level of, of data, then you shouldn't be having it. You're just collecting it for the sake of it. Um, yeah, that, that's a really interesting point. Is, and what we're going to start seeing, I believe, and, and Brendan, you can probably tell me this, but we're going to start seeing more video in the contact center, uh, more video interactions. Yeah, it's been very, very slow to take off. I mean, I was looking at, uh, at video call centers when I was a, a Genesis customer, that's probably 15 years ago. And, yeah. and you know, it, it's, it's been very slow to take off. But I think products like, like Zoom we just mentioned, the fact that people are going to be working from home, they're going to be using video uh, far more in, in their daily work, it will become far more uh, prevalent in, in our engagement with organizations. Yeah. Uh, I think the, 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 the renaissance of the video contact center is, is, will be upon us in, in very short order. Mm, absolutely yeah the camera's on sorry the camera's on contact center yeah <laughs> well i mean there's a, there's a very interesting use case which i find fascinating which is the technical dimension um you know where, where you're using the the, the the extended video camera of of the customer's smartphone to be able to be in their own environment to get things fixed yeah um, and all of us that run our parents or grandparents technology remotely know how difficult it is to remember the configuration that you had for the you know the box underneath the tele or whatever heck it is mm. and if they can just see it it's so much easier uh, you know to deal with it but yeah. um i think i think we have forgotten the you know the relative strengths and weaknesses of the modalities you know text has got strengths mm. voice has and so is video and we underplay it and we have a default joke in the call center world which is that we don't like to be seen you know yeah. <laughs> uh, therefore we don't do video but there are many many more compelling reasons and i think yeah. that uh, i bet you in this period of um, lockdown that many families are connecting to each other using video right now as a sense of connecting again and i don't think that that habit we're going to build up over the next few months will be readily forgotten 
And I think it will lead to a greater expectation that brands are also willing to engage with us in this way as well. Yeah, I think absolutely. picking up on your, um, your you know, using the, the person's phone to see the, the box under the, under the TV or whatever, I think there's some great ideas coming around the use of augmented reality with that so yeah. that you can actually physically point you know, from a camera into the person's smartphone view, view say, press that button or, or do yeah. this or whatever and be able to use augmented reality in a way that is, that is more than just gaming. It's actually using it for practical purposes. Well, that then connects the, v, uh, the augmented reality back into your knowledge management, doesn't it? So that you can see and identify yeah. a particular box and therefore provide those instructions. I think exactly. that's amazing tech. Yeah. I love that. I think it's absolutely- The helping hands technology, I think, will again be one of those, uh, one of those uh, great uh, devices developments that will, 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 will come out, particularly in high tech and, and uh, telecoms and those sorts of space uh, yeah. in, the, in the coming years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this session has been really interesting. I mean, day by day, we're in the middle of this pandemic. It's changing. Uh, we're seeing a lot of technology vendors, um, you know, coming up with different ideas, different ways of using their technology and and helping people in this crisis. But uh, it's been fascinating listening to you today and asking you these questions. Um, I'd like to thank Brendan from Genesis for uh, getting involved today, and Martin Hill Wilson from Brain Food Consulting. Thank you very much, and uh, I wish you all the very best. Thank you.